So um, I was thinking when uh, Susie was saying, you know, you get the good, the bad and the ugly, you got the ugly this morning. So. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, God is so good, isn't he? <laughs> so, um, so this wonderful series we're doing, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, the last time I preached here, do, you, do any of you remember what I preached about? Uh, I thought not. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome, yeah, apparently. It was, it was Romans 12, verse 2, do you remember? Yeah, I, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to, be a, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, to die to yourselves, to you know, get on the altar before God and let his fire burn on your life and let the fire fall on us. Uh, not an easy thing to preach about. <laughs> it's, not, it's quite a painful thing. And uh, this time I've got journey through the wall, <laughs> the storms of life. Get all the really difficult ones. <laughs> uh, so what is, what, is, uh, what, this, what is this wall? Um, so it's those times uh, when life feels like it doesn't go the way we want it to or the way we think it should. Or the way we think God has planned it for us. It's the time when life hurts. Uh, when we struggle with trusting God. Uh, with, we have doubts. We have unanswered questions. Uh, we think, why? 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 When our faith is just not strong enough. Now, before I start really launch into this, um, one of the things I want to say is that Although we're preaching from this theme, from this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro, Pete Scazzaro rather, um, it doesn't mean that we're not preaching from the Bible. Um, last year, if you remember, if you were part of the church last year, we, we went through the whole year preaching about the importance of the scriptures and the Bible um, through this year of biblical liter- literacy, intentionally honoring the word of God. But as we go wider and deeper in our relationships with God, we need to apply the teaching of Scripture into our lives. And so the themes in this little mini-series we're doing are like coat hooks that we hang the teaching of the Bible on. So we had a a bit of teaching about being aware of what our hearts are like when when we receive the Word of God. We had some teaching on the need to go back in our lives, look at the things in our past, our families, that... uh, in order to be able to go forward with God. We had some teaching on how we need to see how God can use our grief and our loss to enlarge our souls. Um, Those who have spoken so far have been quite vulnerable, which might come as a bit of a surprise to some of you. You might not have known some of their stories. It's quite shocking, some of them. Um, I'm going to be a bit vulnerable as well. But what I want you to say, I want you to know that we don't expect everybody to be vulnerable <laughs> in public. So we choose to be vulnerable in what we're saying. Um, if you like, our revelation comes with a health warning because we want God to work in your lives to let to to loosen up the things that are causing problems for you and the difficulties that you have. So we're not asking people to come forward and share their stories publicly. Uh, what we want is for God to do that work in you and to complete that work in you 
so that at some point you may be vulnerable, but actually that ministry is about being vulnerable with God and we, we, we honour your dignity. We want you to be safe. So what is this wall? Otherwise known as, as some people call it, the dark night of the soul or uh, the, the seasons of our lives. We all go through seasons in our lives. Um, has anybody here got a, a marathon runner? <laughs> hey. Keith, thank you. <laughs> um, if you've ever run a marathon or, or done that, that sort of thing, um, you'll know that there comes a point where you get just so exhausted you can hardly go any further. And I found this picture on, online. This is the runner. It's like that's what, that's what hitting the wall feels like. Uh, you can Google it. You can go and Google marathon runners hitting the wall. Um, they're quite inspiring stories of how people have pressed through and pushed through, even though it's really, really hard. Um, and it's, it involves training. It involves desperation and sometimes complete exhaustion. And that's, that hit everybody. Everybody hits a wall in their life at some time, not necessarily running a marathon. But something happens in our lives that we hit a wall. We can't. We just feel we can't go any further. In fact, actually, most of us will hit multiple walls over our lives. I certainly have. And we'll probably ask the question, why? Why is God so unfair? Job uh, said this, why, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a wind-blown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? For you write down bitter things against me and make me reap the sins of my youth. You fasten my, my feet in shackles. You keep close watch on all my paths by putting marks on the soles of my feet. So man wastes away like something rotten, like a garment eaten by moths. And if you read the Psalms, which I think is really well worth doing, um, they're full of questions about, about our lives and things that we, questions that we put to God. How about this, Psalm 143? For an enemy pursues my soul. He crushes my life to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart is shocked within me. The writer C.S. Lewis when his wife died, wrote a book called A Grief Observed, and he likened his experience to a door slamming shut in his face. That's what the wall feels like. Uh, one prayerful and thoughtful light writer 500 years ago described it as the dark night of the soul. In a nutshell, he explains that there are things in our lives that distort the glory of God in us. And things that God wants to deal with us, our pride, our judgmentalism, things like our annoyance with God that he doesn't give us enough in response to our prayers. Anybody ever felt like that? Things like our tendency to take more pleasure in the blessings of God than, from, uh, than in God himself. Things like chasing after our own desire for pleasure rather than letting God put together our gluttony. Things like the way we envy others who seem to be attracting more blessings from God than we do. 
Things like our tendency to run away from difficulties, just wanting to feel good. That's when the wall comes. Pete Scazzaro says, I actually prefer the notion of seasons to stages when describing our life in Christ. We don't control the seasons, they happen to us. Winter, spring, summer and fall come to us whether we like it or not. And all of us have different seasons in our life. Some may last longer than others, but the cycle continues. Walls come like seasons. Peter Cazero said this, For most of us, the wall comes, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close friend or family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. We question ourselves, God, the church. We discover for the first time that our faith does not appear to work. We discover We have more questions than answers as the very foundation of our faith feels like it is on the line. We don't know where God is, what he's doing, where he's going, how he's getting us there, or when this will be over. The Bible is full of stories of people who went through really tough times. You think about Abraham, he spent 25 years waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled with the child. And he went through something like five different dark nights in that period of time when he went through the times of his own self-will being broken, his own way of doing things being broken in order to surrender to God's will, let go of everything, even to the point of having to be prepared to sacrifice his own son Seems a bit strange to us, isn't it? But that's what God called him to. Walls aren't simply a one-off event. We encounter different walls at different times. And the reason is that there are roots of behavior and character that God wants to transform in us. Thomas Merton wrote a book called The Ascent to Truth. He said, There are roots that need to be dug away and cleared from the garden of our souls. This requires the direct intervention of God. So walls, painful and hard though they are, are the place of transformation. The problem is we don't always get through the walls that God puts in front of us. So what's the wall like? Well, the wall is painful. If you're emotionally healthy, your faith will admit, I'm bewildered. I don't know what God's doing right now. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Yes, it's a mystery. I'm really sad right now. Oh God, why have you forsaken me? The cross is a painful experience. 
And yet our calling as disciples of Jesus is to lay down our lives and take up the cross. How many of us have suffered pain in our lives? It's probably quite a few. Probably more than are willing to put their hands up at the moment. And if you haven't suffered of pain in your life, you will at some time. And I'll explain why in a minute. We, pain is actually a gift from God. Dr. Paul Brand, who was a, a leprosy missionary in India, did a lot of research into leprosy. Now, leprosy damages your nerve endings um, so that you can't feel anything. You can't feel anything in your feet and your fingers and your hands. So you're not aware of when you're, something painful happens. You don't feel pain. So you cut yourself and you're not aware. You get infections and you're not aware. You injure yourself, you're not aware. Paul Brand said, I cannot think of a greater gift that I could give to my leprosy patients than the ability to feel pain. Anybody like pain? (laughs) Nobody likes pain, but it's actually a friend. It's a gift from God. If you didn't have pain, you wouldn't go to the doctor. You wouldn't know about something serious going on that you need to get dealt with. The question is, what are you going to do with your pain? Richard Raw, uh, uh, um, I can't remember what he does, but he, he wrote this. He said, you can either transform your pain or you transmit it. So you either let the pain work in your life or you actually transmit it back onto other people. Um, and that's not so good. The answer is to invite God into your pain and let him redeem it. The wall is inevitable. We can't actually get away from it. And there's a reason for that. So um, in Genesis 3, it says this. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. There is a natural law in our world, and we're not immune from it as Christians. Um, I don't have time to go into this in depth, but after the fall, God placed in creation boundaries that cause a tension between what we would like things to be like and how they actually are. And we're part of the creation. The curse that resulted from our fallenness leaves us with thorns and thistles and pain and labor. But actually, God wants to use those things to draw us back to himself. So we ask the question, why? 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 What I want you to go away with today is to realize that actually God brings you 
to those walls. That might seem hard, but I hope to make it clear. I've mentioned Abraham, but there are myriad other Bible characters who've hit walls in their lives. You can see it in Jacob's life, in Moses' life, in David's life, in Job's life, in Elijah's life, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Peter, the other disciples. You could describe Jesus' own emotional and spiritual battle in Gethsemane as a wall. He said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So why is the wall there? Well, it's part of God's desire to transform our lives. He wants us to grow into maturity. He wants to to deal with issues in our lives that need dealing with. He wants to increase our hunger for God. He wants to drive us back towards relationship with God, ultimately, so that we can bear more fruit in our lives. Fruitfulness is an intrinsic part of God's plan for our lives. He wants us to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the world. He wants to prepare a perfect bride for himself. Anybody here think they're perfect? I'll put my hand down. (laughs) We know that we're not. We know that we're broken. But the Bible talks about the bride of Christ as a perfect, flawless bride. So he's in the business of transforming us. And how we deal with that wall sets our destiny for the next one, five, 10, 15, 20 years of our lives. We need to go through the wall. We can't not go through the wall. Well, we can not go through the wall, but it doesn't help. We, Pizza Gazzaro said this, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. I'll say it again. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. So God's in the business of transforming us. When we hit a wall in our life, whatever that wall may be, whatever that dark night of the soul is, when we go through a period of dryness or darkness, the challenge to us is to ask, what is God wanting to do with me? What is God wanting to do in me through this time? The problem is, actually, that most people don't go through the wall. They don't make it through. We get stuck. We get confused. Or sometimes just quit. And we get stuck because we don't recognize God's plan for us. And we flee the pain rather than facing it. We forget that the Psalms are full of questions like, Oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? We hide. We sometimes hide behind our faith. We say, well, I know God's in control, but it's actually quite empty in our hearts. We don't acknowledge our bewilderment, our hurt, our sadness, our pain, or our anger. I said I was going to be a bit vulnerable. I've got a couple of stories about my own life. So some years ago, um, I had great vision in my work situation, uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm a doctor. So I was a GP up in uh, the outskirts of Manchester, and I really wanted to see a Christian practice established, and I got a real vision for that. And then I hit a wall, and everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. 
I just couldn't see a way out of it. I hit a wall. It actually felt like I was completely boxed in. And I had no idea what God was doing. No idea what he wanted to do because what I thought he'd given me just couldn't seem to happen. The problem was when God spoke to me about it and took me through it, and it took, it took me to a breakdown. I you know, actually broke down. I had about eight weeks off sick. Um, I couldn't think straight. I had a lot of ministry and prayer at that time. And what I learned was that everything I wanted to do for God, all that I was working to do for God, was meaningless. God wanted me more than he wanted my efforts. For me, at that point, seeking his kingdom was about doing more. More programs, more activities. But actually, God showed me that seeking his kingdom wasn't about that. It was about understanding my brokenness and his completeness. It took several months of just receiving from God, not doing anything for him until he dismantled me and put me back together again. I came through that wall uh, with God's help and his intimacy. If we don't go through the wall, it causes problems. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but let me, let me tell you, it's not great to not go through the wall. There's a voice that says, you can't go through this, so we pull back. Um, and I would say to you, if, you, if you've been in that place or you're in that place or you come to that place in the future... Don't settle for staying this side of the wall that God allows you to face up to. Don't settle for it. It's better to go through. In 1996 to 7, I hit the worst wall of my life. Um, I've had other walls before and since, but this was a big one. I ran into stress in my work, in church life, my finances, my marriage, I felt like I was fighting a war on several fronts, and I just didn't have the energy to get through. I wasn't accountable to anyone. I didn't have any spiritual support. My spiritual life was dried up and cold. My heart was frozen. Every area of my life was crying out, give me more. My work wanted more, my family wanted more, my church wanted more, everybody wanted more of me, and I had nothing left to give. Things were ex happening around me that were extremely stressful, and I cracked. I made some choices at that time that took me away from God for several years. I bounced off the wall. I didn't press through it. I shut down my relationship with God and with other Christians, and I turned away. I chose not to hold on to my faith, chose not to pursue God, and to stay with him until he took me through the difficult time. And instead of pushing through with even a mustard seed of faith, I turned away. As a result, I abdicated from the spiritual responsibility to my family. I left my wife to manage most of their needs, I focused on the financial, 
working harder and harder to earn enough to provide for them. I buried myself in my work. I closed down my church life. As a result, my marriage fell apart. My family disintegrated. My relationships with my children were fractured. As my marriage came to an end over the next seven years, it took time, I became desperate. You know, God is gracious. He's full of grace, but he waits until we're desperate. (laughs) One night I couldn't sleep. I decided to read a book that a friend had sent me. I promised I'd read him, thinking, no, I won't. But I couldn't sleep one night, so I went and picked this book up. And as I picked it up, I thought, do you know, if I suppose I'm going to read a Christian book, I ought to have a Bible, just in case I want to look up some verses. So I went and found a Bible, and I picked it off the bookshelf. And as I picked it up, I heard this voice in my head saying, read Romans 9. <laughs> okay, I read Romans 9. And I found these words there. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And suddenly I realized that God had chosen to have mercy on me. I was undone. After eight years of walking away from God, I'm turned around. I'm walking back towards him. He'd given me a gift, a gift of repentance. The word repent literally means to turn round. God had given me a gift to bring him back to myself, back, bring me back to himself. So this was the start of a new journey, this time with God. There's still more stuff that he needs to deal with. Still is more stuff that he needs to deal with in my life. Sin crouches at the door temptations, habits, behaviors that need changing. Somebody prayed for me once and said, I've got this picture. It's like there are rooms in your house that are behind locked doors. You, nobody goes in them because the doors are locked. They're padlocked shut. And your life is a bit like that. There are areas of your life that God hasn't dealt with. Attics that are filled with stuff that we never go through. <laughs> God actually wants to transform every part of our lives. When we fail to address the things that God wants to deal with in our lives, we just keep going round and round the mountain, coming up against the same walls until we let him in. I still had a lot of stuff to work through, as I said. Even now, 13 years later... My relationship with my children remains strained. Like David after his sin, I've had to live with the consequences of my choices. Coming back to God didn't sort all those problems out. Things are improving. But the Bible tells us that wages of sin are death. And I've had to live with ongoing death in my family life ever since. Failure to address the things that God wants to deal with leads to going round the mountain again and again, hitting the walls again and again. Believe me, don't settle for staying this side of the wall. It's better to go through. If you go through 
there are are benefits. We get a better, a greater level of brokenness. We learn poverty of spirit. We learn to know that we have nothing, that God is everything. We get freed from judging others. We get a greater understanding, a greater appreciation for holy unknowing. There are things about God that we think we know that we find out that we just don't know. He's beyond the grasp of every concept I have of him. We do not control him. He is not our personal assistant. Most of the time, we have no idea what he's doing. We gain a deeper ability to wait for God. I don't know about you, but there's a stubborn willfulness in me to run ahead of God, to try and do things for him. There are lots of stories in the Bible about people who tried to run ahead of God. When we go through the wall, we actually get to the point where we think, do you know what, I'll wait for God. (laughs) We get a greater detachment from the issues that we face, because ultimately God is in control. He is the Lord. The things that uh, rule our lives get broken when we go through the wall. We come out of it. Do you know what? A lot of that stuff doesn't matter anymore because he is still in control. Getting through the wall may be a challenge. It will be a challenge. It's not called a dark night of the soul for nothing. But there are benefits. Don't bounce off the wall. Allow the wall to change you. Don't get frustrated, bitter or angry. But choose trust, waiting, obedience, perseverance, faithfulness. And the reason is that God is all-knowing. He knows every aspect of our lives. He knows our going out and our coming in, Psalm 139. He knows the secrets of our hearts, Psalm 44, verse 10. He knows all our plans, Psalm 94, verse 11. He knows how we are formed, Psalm 103, verse 19. He knows everything. He knows about our circumstances. He knows the difficulties we face. He's also all-powerful. This God created the universe. I think sometimes we just can't comprehend. Well, how can we comprehend it? But he created the universe. He is transcendent. Above everything he's made. Psalm 29, 4 says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. He just has to speak, and it happens. Jesus himself was described by disciples on the road to to Emmaus as powerful, Luke 24, 19. And Paul describes Jesus as powerful at work in us, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 3. Psalm 9, verse 10 says this, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. We sang that song. He is faithful. He has never 
never let us down. Even if we feel like it, he has never, ever let us down. Coming through, the wall, coming through that wall for me took 20 years. My encouragement to you is come through the wall at the beginning. Don't wait because it takes longer. The choices we make set the destiny for our lives for the next one, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. If we come through, it's a much better place, much quicker place to get there. You know, God is all good. He's all loving. 1 John 4, 16 says this. So we have come to know and trust in the love that God has for us. God is love. Now, I could preach for hours on this, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Psalm 9, 30, verse 13 says this. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Psalm 30, 136. Go read Psalm 136. 26 times it says this. His loving kindness endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. It's grace. He is faithful. It's quick comment about discipline, because this is what it's about. God disciplines us through the wall. And now I think we think of discipline as being a form of punishment. You know, that's what we do to our kids when they're naughty. Naughty step or whatever we do to them. But actually, the, the Greek word for discipline is more like tutoring. And we do think about discipline. The marathon runner disciplines themselves with, with, with exercise, with, with you know, pushing through and getting stronger to build stamina. Hebrews 12, uh, 6 says, this, my, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. and Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son, as a child. It's an incredibly precious thing to know that the Lord's discipline is out of love. It's not a punishment. It's a tutoring to make us more like him. So, coming to land, God loves us enough not to leave us as we are. It's because he loves us that the wall is a gift from God. So is there anything I want to leave you with today? It's this, God loves you infinitely. Infinitely. He loved you enough to take all your wrongdoing, all your pain, all your bad attitudes, all your brokenness, and nail it to the cross in Jesus. You don't need anything to do earn your acceptance with him. You don't need to do anything to earn forgiveness. Trusting in him is all, trusting that he has done all that is needed. That's all you need to do is just trust. And he loves you enough to let you face difficult times. Walls and storms and, and difficulties and losses and pain and dark nights of the soul in order to bring you closer to himself. This is his gift of love to you. Trust him to take you through.